You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 41. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Listen and Learn Plus, a premium site for music therapists, music educators, parents, and anyone else who wants to give their clients, students, and children a rich musical experience. Gain instant access to a vast collection of over 200 songs, including MP3, lead sheet, and instrumental track, videos, tutorials, and visual aids, plus all new releases from Listen and Learn Music. Inside of Listen and Learn Plus, I'm sharing the very resources I use to serve my own clients and students in my thriving music therapy practice and studio. I've grown from a sole proprietor to a team of eight with a brick and mortar business, and I'll show you how I did it. If you go to listenlearnplus.com, you can enter your name and email for an inside look, including several free downloads at what membership has to offer. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jennifer Whitlow. Jennifer is a board certified music therapist with degrees in music, psychology, and music therapy. After completing her music therapy degree in 2011, she began working with individuals with special needs and married her husband, Chester. Now settled in Indianapolis, Jennifer has completed the Advanced Neurologic Music Therapy training. After working in the field for nearly four years, she opened her company, Dynamic Music Therapy, LLC, a Medicaid waiver provider that provides individuals with special needs music therapy services. In May of 2015, Jennifer and Chester welcomed their beautiful daughter, Elizabeth Esther, into the world. In addition to being a business owner and mom, Jennifer serves as the public relations chair for the Association for Indiana Music Therapy and is the current co-chair for the 2016 GLR Conference in Indianapolis. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you became a music therapist. Okay. Well, I started out at Indiana State University for uh, music education, so I wanted to be a music teacher. Um, After taking a few psychology classes, I went ahead and added a psychology minor Um, onto my already major in music education. So um, a few years after just doing the minor, I decided to go ahead and double major in music education and psychology. So it was actually the summer before my fifth year in school. Um, I was taking abnormal psychology and started learning about music therapy and art therapy and recreational therapy. And I had never heard of music therapy at all at that point. So I... um, asked my professor after class a little bit about music therapy, and she actually got me in contact with Sharon Boyle at um, St. Mary Woods College, which was about um, 15 minutes outside of Terre Haute in um, actually St. Mary Woods, Indiana, or West Terre Haute. Um, So my fifth year of school, I was finishing my music education degree at Indiana State and working on my psych degree and also doing um, classes at St. Mary Woods through the consortium program. So I was going to, you know, kind of doing all three things all at one time. 
then after taking the intro to music therapy um, class at St. Mary of the Woods, I knew that was what I wanted to do. So I went ahead and just graduated with a music degree from Indiana State. I did never actually student taught. And then I finished my psychology degree at um, St. Mary of the Woods while uh, pursuing um, music therapy. So I ended up finishing my psych degree before music therapy, and so I just completed that. And then, um, so now I have all three trainings behind me. So that's really impressive, and I'm sure that the education component and the psychology degree have come in handy with your music therapy work. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was really great that I had those years too to kind of um, you know make the mistakes that I needed to do and. Um, really, I, I wouldn't have changed any of it. I really feel like I learned a lot of things um, throughout my journey um, doing music education and psychology and then music therapy. So, Yeah, yeah. So what, what did things look like after you finished your music therapy degree? Um, well, that was in 2011. So I finished my internship like July 8th, I believe was the day, July 7th, somewhere in there, uh, 2011. And I got married on July 30th of 2011. So I finished my internship actually in Wisconsin. I told um, my now husband that I needed to leave Indiana for a while to know if I really wanted to come back and that I, if Indiana was for me. And you know, we we had decided that it was best that we went ahead and did the distance relationship. And I did the internship that I really wanted to do. Um, and so um, as soon as I moved home, we got married, and um, I started a job in actually in October of 2011. And where was that job? Um, it was in Bloomington, Indiana, um, with Fogarty Music Therapy. And so we were living in Terre Haute. So I had about a 45 minute to an hour commute. And then on top of that, I actually traveled to all my clients' houses. So for the first year, that's, or not quite a year, actually, it was probably about eight months, nine months. That's what I did. And so, and I was gradually building a caseload. So I was also like waitressing in Terre Haute at the same time. So it was oh, so stressful. It was you know, I'd get up and drive from Terre Haute to Bloomington, like I said, 45 minutes to an hour, see clients there, come back, waitress in Terre Haute, and then, you know, come home and be with my husband and stuff. And it was very, very, very stressful at first. How long did you keep that up? I did that for eight months. And then we finally moved to Bloomington, and he was able to um, just transfer to, um, he was actually a manager of actually a liquor retailer here in Indiana. Um, he was a manager of one of the stores, so he was able to manage one of the stores in, in Bloomington. And so when we moved to Bloomington, it was great. But then after living in Bloomington for like four months, he got promoted into an accounting position in their corporate office. So we lived in Bloomington only actually for 11 months. And then we ended up moving to Indianapolis when his corporate office moved to Indianapolis. So now we're into 2013. We've been married for two years, lived in Terre Haute, Bloomington, and now Indianapolis. That had to be really um, challenging for you, having just started your career and doing so much moving around and not really having like a super stable beginning. Did you feel like that affected your work at all? I did. I really felt like in, when I was living in Bloomington that I still had so much to give to my clients and still had so much 
growing to do as a professional. And I really, really loved working for Johnny and um, Fogarty Music Therapy. I, I liked it a lot. And I was ready to settle down in Bloomington and make Bloomington our home. And, you know, right as we had started talking about what we were going to do, like buying a house in Bloomington and being in Bloomington, he comes home from work and says, you know, my, my corporate office is moving. We need to explore this. And so it was kind of like, oh, okay. So then we had to kind of put our lives on hold for a second just to kind of figure that out. And moving back to Indianapolis has been a blessing because it's only like 30 minutes from where I grew up. And like a lot of my family and friends are just like so close. And it's really not that far from Bloomington either. Um, but it's it's been great moving back to Indianapolis. But at the time, I didn't see how great it was going to be because I was I was ready to be there, you know, be in Bloomington. Sure. Yeah. So moving back to Indianapolis and being close to family and friends, did that sort of sway you in the direction of starting to think about having a family? Yes, we wanted to be in some place for over a year. And so when we moved to Indianapolis, we um, were actually renting a house. We decided not to buy. It was just too much at one time. And we just wanted to be in one place for a while. And so um, since I've lived in Indianapolis, so I've had um, some different transitions between jobs and stuff um, just because I did work for a company and it just did not work out. And so... Once we moved to Indianapolis, um, we both had really good jobs when we first came up here, and he's still with the same company. He's been with them for, I think, like nine years now. He's He's been with them forever. Um, I swear he's going to, like, take over that company when he, sometime. Um, but so I was um, an employee of a company, and then it just did not work out. And so we moved here, I think, in July, July or August of 2013. We decided to start trying to have a family at the end of 2013. So beginning of 2014 was when we really kind of started trying to have family. Um, I ended working with that company in May of 2014. And then I decided like the day after I stopped working with that agency to open my own company, which we had already kind of talked about it beforehand and stuff. But that was kind of the day that I started really working on like my waiver application and becoming an Indiana Medicaid waiver agency. Um, and then I found out I was pregnant in September of 2014. Mm. So did you feel like having the your own private practice or your own agency would be better suited as far as being a mom and having a career at the same time? I did. And I also kind of felt like my experience with the waiver, and it's definitely not like this in, in terms of all of the agencies and stuff, but I really kind of felt like a lot of the companies music therapy really got lost in. And so I felt like I knew the waiver well, and I knew I know music therapy well. And so I thought, why not have an agency here based on, you know, how Fogarty Music Therapy was in Bloomington, that a music therapist is running the agency. Um, and so I really kind of felt like there was a need for that um, where I am. And so that's why I decided to open my company as well, because then I know um, that everything's going to be done correctly. I know that um, the music therapists that work for the agency, too, would be um, supported in the way that they would need to be supported. So what point were you at? in building your agency when you found out that you were pregnant? 
I was actually almost completely done with my um, music therapy waiver binder. Um, when you go to become a waiver company, there's like a, I think it was like 17 questions. It's like 30, 30 some odd pages of stuff that you have to prepare for your binder everywhere from like a criminal background check to like your policies and procedures and stuff to be in line with the state. So when I found out I was pregnant, I almost had my binder done. And um, initially, when I first found out I was pregnant, I was kind of like the brakes. It's like, nope, we're not going to move forward onto my business. I'm going to continue where I was at that time. I was actually contracting with another waiver agency um, doing music therapy work with them. And so um, I had decided at that point that this was it. I was just going to continue working for them. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that wasn't what was best for my clients, I didn't feel like, because if I was still contracting with them and then I would on maternity leave, if my clients went to another music therapist, would it be ethically fair for me to take my clients back since I was just a subcontractor and they were technically that agency's clients. So um, I decided it was best for me and for my clients if I went ahead and opened my agency so that way their what happened with them was ultimately my decision. Um, and when it came to, in terms of how their, what, what was gonna happen with their services, it was only my choice and not, I wasn't at the mercy of somebody else to decide what was gonna happen. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So when you found out that you were pregnant and um, you decided to move forward with your own agency, did you feel like you lost any momentum or that the focus was shifted at all knowing that you were pregnant? I don't. Um, I really kind of feel like my pace kind of picked up. Like it was like, okay, I really have to get this done because I need to have the time um, to be able to prepare for what was going to happen. So I really feel like um, at that point it was, you know, I was kind of working in overdrive of, hey, let's get this done as quickly as possible. I need to, you know, finish my last criminal background checks and do all of these things. And because it was basically just the stuff that would, like, expire, like I had to have it within, like, a 30-day window um, of when I applied or a 60-day window or whatever it had been, was the things that I needed to finish, and that was about it. And so it was kind of, okay, as soon as I made that decision, it was like, let's just do it. And so um, I was really thankful that my husband was extremely supportive of that decision and that he was, um, you know, helping me along the way the whole time. And so um, I actually submitted my binder the beginning of November and then um, I was certified in January of 2015 and then I actually like launched my company on February 1st of 2015. Okay. So, and you started taking clients on at that point? Yes. Um, when I subcontract, when I was contracting with the, the other agency, they had actually allowed that all of my clients could come with me if oh, that's what they said. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. And so when I, when I started with them, that was kind of an agreement that we um, came up with together. Uh, she didn't have another music therapist to take the clients, and she wanted to make sure that the clients um, were receiving the services that they wanted. So she actually even helped me get some of my waiver stuff together and was extremely supportive during, um, you know, all of that time answering questions and just, I mean, she was wonderful. That's amazing. That's so nice that you had that opportunity. Absolutely. So how many clients did you have at that point? 
I had, I think, 23 clients, 24. I was working uh, roughly about 30 hours a week at okay. that time still while working on opening my company and doing all of that. I had, I think I saw anywhere between five and seven clients a day, Monday through Friday. That's a pretty hefty load. So while you were building your practice and also preparing for the birth of your baby, were you um, kind of coming up with a plan as to how you would handle um, leaving during that time and what you would do as far as your business was concerned? Yes. Um, I hired a maternity leave, um, somebody to cover my maternity leave. And she actually had gone to St. Mary of the Woods as well. And when I hired her, um, the timing was really not ideal, but the person was ideal. And so um, she actually was finishing her internship the day before my due date. So um, I still went ahead and did it, even though I told myself, okay, this is crazy and this is not going to work out well. <laughs> um, and it didn't. My daughter came. Um, she was eight days early. So I ended up training her even after I had actually already gone on maternity leave. So all of my clients actually ended up with a three-month break in services. Okay. But um, but the plan was there and the intent was there. Right. So all, also when I started my company, um, I had a music therapist approach me to want to work for me, but in a different part of the state. So when I actually initially opened my company, I opened it in Indianapolis and then also in Northwest Indiana, um, which sh the girl that approached me still actually contracts with my agency. But um, originally my intent was to have um, music therapy in both areas, but I don't know if that's my intent for in the future. Gotcha. Yeah, because I can imagine that would add a little bit of a complication as far as, um, I don't know how the waiver works, but um, I could imagine that would be a little bit more difficult. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's very challenging. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit to you're seeing all of these clients, you're building your business. How did that work for you in terms of being pregnant and how are you feeling and what was your energy level like during that time? It was hit and miss, I feel like. Um, I had great days and overall I would say that I had a pretty easy pregnancy. Um, I felt I didn't have really any morning sickness. I really kind of feel like um, I only had a couple days where I felt bad um, or not well. But for the most part, I feel like my pregnancy went very well. Um, I definitely worked my butt off during my pregnancy. Um, I mean, there were sessions or there were weeks since I we were really trying to save up money and things. There were weeks that I really pushed myself probably more than what I should have. Um, and there were definitely weeks that I knew, though, that I needed to back off. And so, um, especially towards the end, I really started to very much listen to my own body. And if I needed to take off, I did. I, I canceled sessions. I would cancel sessions right before a session, even if I just didn't feel well. My clients were all so understanding and knew that that wasn't like me. Um, you know, I had a pretty I have a pretty strong work ethic and didn't miss sessions before that ever. And so, you know, really in my pregnancy, when I needed to take time off, I took it. Um, but when I felt fine to do it, I, you know, I sometimes would push myself a little bit more than what I probably should have, but, um, but I knew I could do it. So 
I had some weeks where um, during some of my kiddos' spring breaks where I would um, have extra sessions that I would work very close to almost even 40 hours um, just in, in clinical um, time. And so um, I really made sure to, to try to take care of myself during that time and do what I needed to do. But also um, I was trying to give as much as I could to my clients as well. Yeah, it's, it is so hard when you do have a strong work ethic like that and you don't want to let your clients down and yet at the same time you, you need to take care of yourself and your baby and it's a fine line and I know that I was awful at this my second pregnancy and ended up in the hospital about three weeks before my baby was due because I had overdone it and went into early labor and thankfully she waited and um, she was born much closer to her due date, but that was a, a pretty hard lesson to learn. And it's something sure. definitely that now it's like, I would tell anybody, like if you have the slightest doubt about going into a session and you feel like you need to take that time to rest and, you know, be good to yourself, do it. Absolutely. I did not follow yeah. that advice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I canceled sessions even minutes before sessions and I would have never done that ever before you know I, I've never done that until until it's you know right especially when it was really close to my uh, closer to my due date I was really afraid that I was gonna go into pre um preterm labor mm -hmm. um that was I was like constantly searching stuff to find out if if that were things but I mean even in terms that my daughter came eight days early you know they wouldn't um when I had was in labor, you know, they had made it very clear that they weren't going to help um, any labor things. And so, like, when we had gone to the hospital even once before when I wasn't dilated enough, they sent me home and told me, you know, we can't, we can't help you because you're, it's too early. Like, they can't help you as far as, as doing Inducing. What? Like oh, inducing okay. yeah. yeah, like inducing labor or doing, um, or, you know, progressing things that it was like, you know, you're just basically, it's like, yeah, we know you're having contractions and you're going to continue to have these contractions mm. probably, but yeah. there's not, there's not much we can do. Right, right, point. right. Yeah. It's a tough situation to be in those last few weeks where you're kind of in that limbo period where like if the baby was born, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it definitely would be better for them to stay inside a little bit longer. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you end up working right up until your baby was born since you did say she was eight days early? I did. Um, we went to our last prenatal appointment on a Thursday and um, we actually delivered with a certified nurse midwife. So it was a um, midwife in hospital delivery, which is kind of, I feel like if you're um, thinking about a home birth or like a hospital delivering with a certified nurse midwife is kind of the best of both worlds because, um, you know, she's very into the natural um, remedies and things. Um, so my midwife and my doula were actually both present at that appointment. And so when they checked me, they told me that I wouldn't, they basically said, I, we don't expect to see you next week. You're going to have this baby in the next week. So at that point, I was actually three centimeters dilated. 80% effaced and the baby was at zero station. And so, um, I actually didn't know the gender at the time. So I didn't oh, know. I was, yeah, it was, oh my gosh, not knowing was, I think the last final oomph I needed mm -hmm. to in, in delivery, like not knowing it was so much fun. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
So um, they told me at that point that I needed to start taking it easy. And even up until then, I was working, you know, still seeing five, six clients a day. Um, and they actually, one of them, I can't remember which one, and my husband couldn't remember either. One of them actually even told my husband, you need to try to encourage her to slow down. And so um, that day after our appointment, um, my husband asked me if I would cancel the rest of my sessions until the baby was born. So I said, only if you let me go to meetings. And he said, okay, you can go to your meetings. And he's like, but you know, you really do need to slow down. So I did, I listened and I didn't have another session after that. So um, I had started really, and this was actually on my 30th birthday um, that this happened. This appointment that Thursday was my 30th birthday. And I had always said I wanted to have a kid by the time I was 30. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I started having contractions on my 30th birthday. And I thought, okay, she's going to be born today. Nope. Had contractions all weekend. My husband actually even had like a surprise birthday party for me on Saturday. And he was so afraid he was going to have to cancel it because oh, he was no. afraid to go into labor. <laughs> right. Um, but so we still went to that. We still did everything. And on Monday, I woke up and everything was so much different. Like on Monday, like all my contractions were a lot more painful, a lot more um, consistent. And so I, I thought, okay, this is it. This is it. And so um, she was actually born on Tuesday morning. And so they were right that I was not going to make it to my next appointment. And so um, I stopped on Thursday. And she was 45 days later. Oh, my gosh. That sounds a lot like, actually, my experience. I was, I turned 30 on, a, let's see, what was that, a Wednesday, I think. And mm -hmm. then my son was born six days early, three days later. So we, we have three days between our birthdays, which is fun. And I'm just glad that they're not on the same day. Yeah, we actually, our birthdays, even with my husband's, are all eight days apart. Like, my birthday is May 14th. My daughter's birthday is May 19th, and my husband's birthday is May 22nd. Wow, that's fun. So, yes, so we're all like right there together. Yeah, oh neat. So when you um, started feeling like you were, um, like things were different and that you were um, starting your labor, how did things progress from there? Um, well, during the day, um, I actually was trying to get as much work done on Monday, shame on me, as I possibly could at home. So I was setting up my bounce back emails. I was like sending out emails. Um, actually, I'm currently the one of the co-chairs for the 2016 conference. I was doing uh, conference stuff. Um, I was trying to get as much done because I just, I knew everything was changing. And so um, I had been talking to my doula and she was asking, you know, when do you want me to come over? Um, you know, how are you feeling? What's going on? All this stuff. And so finally, when she realized that my husband was actually at work, because I told him to go to work, she's like, I'm coming over. It's like, okay. So at that point, it was like, okay, I've really got to turn this, this, this off. I can't, I can't continue to work. I'm, I, you know, at that point, too, like, I, I was really having difficulty focusing and stuff. So it's like, okay, I, I have to shut this off, and everything just has to wait at this point. So she came over, and it was probably at this point, eh, probably early afternoon. Uh, 12, 1 o'clock, um, and so my husband had come home, and so we started just kind of walking around at home and trying to stay at home as long as possible. Well, um, we decided at about 3.30 to go to the hospital, and when I got there, I wasn't far enough dilated to stay. So from Thursday, I was three centimeters, and then by the time I got there, I was like four and a half or four, 
or something. And then so they let me walk the halls for about two hours. And they said, you know, you're not, you're just not quite there. So they actually sent me home at like 5.30. So on Monday nights, we always have people over to watch a TV show that, um, that we had done for weeks and weeks. And we had put them all on standby and said, you know, we're not sure if we're going to let you guys come over to watch this TV show or not. So, um, you know, my, I was suggested by the nurse to go home, try to relax, maybe try to slow down contractions and um, see what could happen. So we were like, okay, let's just go ahead and have everybody over. It's not probably the best idea. Probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home and took a bath and they were all coming over around seven and I was trying really hard to slow down my contractions and relax as much as I could. I could not get comfortable to save my life. I mean, I was laying on my bed and I was like doing some yoga poses and laying in child's pose and doing anything and everything I could to relax. So seven o'clock came around and I decided to go downstairs and try to watch this TV show and it did not work. So um, fast forward to 10 o'clock, my contractions are so intense at this point and I was beginning to um, feel very, very sick so I, call, I contacted my doula and I was like, you know, I feel sick, um, this is just, they're, they're getting worse, they're getting more painful, like way more consistent, I just feel like I'm almost in a constant contraction at this point, you know, can you come back over? So she told me she'd come over, observe me for about 30 minutes and decide what to do. Um, as soon as she got there, she said, we need to go to the hospital right now. And so um, I got to the hospital. It was about 11.15. We had contacted my midwife, and she met us up there. Uh, she was actually already on the floor at that time. So we got, it's now 11.15. We had left the hospital, I think, at 5.30, and I was four and a half centimeters dilated. When we got there and they checked me at 11.15, I was nine and a half centimeters dilated. Holy and they cow. were like, right? So, so they basically took me to a room. My water still had not broke. They took me to a room and they were like, you know, asked me if they wanted to break my water, you know, what, and I, I said no, that I just wanted to everything to, to um, happen naturally, as naturally as possible. And so um, finally, just after midnight, my water broke and she was born at 2.20. That's amazing. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. So how long between the time that you got to the hospital and and that she was born? We arrived at the hospital, I think it was right around 11.15, and she was born at 2.20. So, um, and she probably would have been born sooner had I let them break my water, but yeah. I was actually 10 centimeters dilated before my water ever even broke. That's, it is really a little scary how many similarities there are between you and I. I had almost the same experience where I came into the hospital and the baby was born three hours later, my water broke as I was pushing, and yeah, that's that's crazy because you really don't hear stories like that, especially for first children. Sure. Yeah. That's I'm I feel really lucky that that happened for me, and that's great that you had the same experience. Yeah, it was. I would. I mean, if I could have every delivery like that, <laughs> I would have so many kids. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, how did things? go after the baby was born and you sort of transitioned into the role as mom? You know, I think this was actually the hardest part of the whole thing for me. I think I had had such a great pregnancy and a great labor and delivery 
free that postpartum, I think, really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, because, I mean, this just happened for me. I have a, a you know, not that long ago. So I have a five-month-old at home. And so um, I still don't feel like I'm completely back to where I was at, at that point. I feel like I'm functioning and I feel like better at this point. But I don't think I realized how how hard it was or like how kind of much in like the baby blues kind of face and how much postpartum um, depression that I actually had until I was like out of my funk. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after um, she was born, I'd mentioned that um, my maternity leave staff um, wasn't exactly the most ideal timing, but it was an ideal person. I mean, she's an incredible music therapist and I'm, I'm so lucky to have her working for me still. Um, and so, um, when Elizabeth was about a week old, I actually ended up having to train her and that was probably one of the hardest days ever. Um, so here I am trying to figure out breastfeeding, um, figuring it all out. And she actually ended up losing well over 10%. So she dropped, she was born at eight, two and dropped down to seven, one, um, and so we had a really hard time with my milk coming in and breastfeeding and trying to get that all established. And so um, I was juggling trying to be there for her. And we saw a different pediatrician, not our pediatrician, because um, she was born so close to Memorial Day that our pediatrician was actually out of town. And this pediatrician like made me feel like the most awful person in the whole world, like talking about how my baby would, could be dehydrated. And like, I remember going to, to hear this woman talk about like, oh, you know, she's lost so much weight. You guys really should be given her formula. And that wasn't really what we wanted, but you know, we were going to do what was best for her. And so I, I started seeing, you know, some lactation consultants at that point too, because it just felt like this awful, awful mom because my, my baby dropped so much weight. And then I was also trying to, to, um, work on trying to get my, my business in place and making sure that, you know, my maternity leave staff was trained and ready to go and things. And so the day that I trained my staff, you know, we had to supplement, um, Fortunately, I was able to pump, and we actually just gave her supplemented breast milk the whole time, and we actually never did give her formula, um, and she did start going in the other direction. But when my staff came over, I did, ended up training her at my house, and so she came over in the morning, and we spent some time at my house, and then I actually ha- am, am fortunate that my husband is extremely tech-savvy, and so he actually has built me um, a server, and uh, like when I say he built me a server, like he got a box, the, like the outside of a computer box and literally put all the parts inside of it that we needed to build a server. And so I was fortunate that he was able to train my maternity leave staff on the server part of the training while I went and breastfed my daughter. And then we actually went out and met some clients and she started crying right before we left the house. And I actually had to excuse myself and go to the bathroom. And I literally cried in the bathroom for a second and had to like really regroup myself to be able to even walk out of the house from leaving my one week old baby who I just felt like I was, you know, told what an awful mom I was because she was losing all this weight dehydrated and really struggling with my own emotional self in that moment. And I had to walk out of my house with my staff put together in one piece to go and introduce her to some of our clients. 
Uh, that is not a place you want to be at one week postpartum. No, it was extremely, extremely difficult. Like, I, I, I don't think I could do it again. I really don't. Um, but at the same time, it worked. And everybody survived. And it, you know, it, it made that, you know, it made the transition better. And I'm very fortunate to have had that person working for me. And so um, it, was, it was really nice that how it all worked in the end. So after you did that training, were you able to then take a real maternity leave for some time? I was off for 16 weeks. Um, so since we um, started trying and it took us a while, we had really focused on trying to save. And like I said, I worked a lot during my pregnancy to try to save up that financially I was able to take 16 weeks off. Um, excuse me, during that 16 weeks, I did attend um, some of my clients' team meetings just to make sure that I was still um, involved in their their case um, notes and knowing what was going on. So I did um, work some and then also, you know, paying my staff and things as well. And so I did some behind the scene admin stuff at home, um, but I didn't see any clients or do any of that. Um, I did go and kind of support my maternity leave staff some in the beginning um, for like an hour or two here, an hour or two there, but nothing like that first day. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like still having your hand in the business to some degree helped you kind of keep things in check as far as like your emotional wellness and all of that? Or did you feel like it sort of lent itself to or added to some of the issues that you were experiencing? I think some of both actually. Um, I think some of the, with, um, with it adding to the experience, I think um, I'm sometimes my own worst critic and I'm the person who wants to push myself more. And so um, I think in, in that sense, I was really hard on myself um, at times. And so I went to a point, I got to a point where I had to tell myself that I have the next 30 years to grow my business and I have the next 30 years to work on my business, but I only have right now to be with her. And so I let myself off the hook by telling myself that all the time. And then the other thing that I really started telling myself is my number one job is to feed this baby. And so um, any breastfeeding mom can tell you how hard it is in the beginning. Um, and if, if I ever meet a breastfeeding mom who says it was so easy, I mean, they're going to be like, you're a liar or you're a saint. I'm not sure which. <laughs> um, but I literally felt like all I was doing some days was I would just sit on the couch for like hours and just feed this kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my husband had to get me drinks and had to get me food and things like that. And so to have somebody just waiting on me was so hard for me to not be able to do things myself. And so in having to do the business stuff, it was nice to have something that it was like, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, set this baby down for a second because I have to do these things. I have to do this. And so in some sense, I loved, liked the fact that I had this thing that I needed to do. But also in the other sense, I hated it because I felt like, I was kind of being torn between the two. Does that make sense? Total sense. Oh my gosh. I'm like nodding my head over here because I had basically spent the summer with that same torn feeling where I was 
you know, wanting to soak up all this baby time, of course, knowing, you know, with my second that it goes by so quickly and, you know, you turn around and your baby's five months old. And, um, but then at the same time I was growing my business and things were happening and I needed to be, you know, staying on top of all that. So it was, it was really hard. I think for me this time around, because I did keep my hand in my business, it was a lot more, um, beneficial to my well-being overall because the first, with my first child, I, um, really didn't work at all during my maternity leave. And, um, I think that caused the baby blues to get to me a whole lot more than, sure. than otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's a hard, hard balance as a business owner because that's also your baby and you, there's nobody else that's going to do that stuff. And so you have Absolutely. to do it. And yes. it's just, no matter what you're doing, you feel like you should be doing something else and you feel like you're not ever doing anything a hundred percent, or at least that that's been my experience, especially with having, um, a new baby at the time that my business is really starting to, um, grow a lot more. Sure. Yeah. I, I really feel like right now, um, I, I feel like I can't get caught back up after yes. my maternity leave, you know, that it's, I'm just constantly behind right now and I'm constantly have stuff on my to-do list and, you know, and I try as much as I can because my daughter is only five months old. I try as much as I can to spend as much time with her as possible, but also to get things done. And I know when you and I were scheduling when we were going to meet, um, I told you my daughter does not sleep well. She mm-hmm. is up almost every two hours all night. And I, I try as hard as I can to not complain about that because I, 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 I try not to because it's like she still needs me and she still needs that. But if I could get, if she could just sleep for longer than, you know, every once in a while, the very first span of time will be like, you know, four hours. Yeah. And then after that, we're up at almost, I mean, every hour and a half to two hours, something like that. Like we're up anywhere between four and six times a night. Oh my gosh. I'm with you there too. And it's, it's even worse. The fact that she slept like an angel for the first three months of her life or actually... Mm -hmm almost four months she was this amazing sleeper and I had never had that in a newborn because my son was an awful sleeper his first year and so I got really spoiled and then of course when things started to ramp up at work is when she decided that she needed to be up every two hours eating so um so yeah I've been kind of going through that and I my only real like work time where I can really work on my business as opposed to seeing clients is in the early morning hours between five and seven when my son gets up and so that time it's like I know I need to get out of bed but yet I haven't really had a full night's sleep whatsoever so it's a challenge absolutely I can I can't imagine with another one you know and I will probably be there in the next couple years I'm sure um having to and and knowing exactly how you feel about you know with your with your son getting up with him but I, I don't know how you do it getting up at five or seven in the morning. You know, I was just telling a friend the other day, I'm like, part of it is that I really, 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 really love my work. And that's the only, you know, reason that I'm able to roll out of bed. But the other thing is like, I know that I'm going to get that cup of coffee and that's like pulling me out of bed. So those two things combined, otherwise it wouldn't be happening. So how have things kind of changed as far as 
your um, as your work as a music therapist, do you feel like you've evolved or changed in any way since becoming a mom? I feel like okay, um, in a sense of how I interact with my my families, I think you know across the board, um, most moms and music therapists can say that you know, we're more understanding to um, our families and stuff. And I definitely think that has really changed. Um, I, I feel like I get it with my clients. I've had a few cancellations and it's like when those cancellations happens, it's like, okay, I totally understand. And actually, most of the time that I have cancellation now, I think to myself, oh my gosh, I can get caught up on something. I can do something else. You know, and whereas I feel like even before I was a mom and before I was a business owner that I would be like, okay, I, you know, I hate when my clients cancel. I can't, can't stand when my clients cancel. And now it's like, okay, you know, they, they probably have something come up. It's not that big of a deal, but I have X, Y, and Z that I can do at this time. So I feel like that has really changed. I feel like though for myself, and this is something that I need to constantly be aware of awareness, my promptness is so much worse as a mom to be 100% honest. Like, I cannot get out of my house on time ever, I feel like. I've had friends who are like, you, you're you always on time. You're always early. And um, I always told myself that I was always doing great if I made it before this certain friend places. And twice in social settings, she actually beat me. And the second time she sent me a text message and she said, motherhood has really changed you when oh, no. I beat you twice. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's so true. And so um, I need to get better about that, even with my clients, you know, because uh, their time is valuable. And I have been late, I have to admit, I've been late to more sessions now than I would care to admit. And, um, and I, I can't, I can't continue like that. So I've got to figure that out. Yeah, and I think that's something yeah. that comes with time because it is so hard, like, just the logistics of leaving everything that you need to leave, um, preparing bottles, you know, if, you, if you're breastfeeding, which you are, and mm-hmm. um, just getting every, getting all your ducks in a row before you leave your house, that it, yeah. it is. It is really, really hard, and I still struggle with it, and I've had a lot of practice, but, um, but it, it gets a little bit easier, at least in my experience it has, so... Hopefully that awesome. your your promptness will return at some point. I hope so. I mean, I think I've only I've only been back to work maybe five or six weeks, about six weeks at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. And so even just remembering all of my parts to my pump. Yeah. And so oh, I, yes. I I ended up now I have a pump at home and I have a pump um, in my car. And so thankfully the only thing I have to remember is the actual like I, I got the little freebies. And so I just have to remember to actually take the freebies with me. Because uh, I take those in every night to wash them and make sure they're clean for the next day. Right. But, I mean, just even taking that time to, to pack up all my pumping equipment and stuff, um, it's hard to remember everything. It is. I know. That's always, like, the thing that I double-check when I get in my car to go to work. It's like, okay, do I have my pump parts? I'm good. So yeah. I have those. <laughs> yeah. It's, Absolutely. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about. And, you know, with sleep deprivation, too, then that further complicates, you know, making sure that, um, that you're remembering everything and that you're prepared and, um, absolutely. It's not easy for sure. So those are a couple of the challenges that you've, um, come across. Are there any other challenges that you faced as a working mom? I think too, just making sure that I pump, um, at the, the, the right times and that I'm, you know, 
trying to to make sure that I'm getting enough and that she's getting enough. And honestly, um, I shouldn't worry about that because I have, I think I have like 200 ounces in my freezer right now. And I have been very, very fortunate on my supply Um, after it came after like everything came in and I kind of got the hang of everything. I've been very fortunate. So I shouldn't really worry as much as I do. But um, like I said, breastfeeding is something that was, is very important to me that I really want to make sure that I am able to provide for her. And so just making sure that I'm doing it and I'm not, oops, I forgot. And you know, four or five hours have gone by and you know, I'm sure you can relate. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a friend that um, when Parker and her daughter were really, really young. Um, She worked as a doctor and had a really hard time finding, finding the time in her workday to pump and ended up having some real health issues and um, had to stop breastfeeding because of it. So that's something that I always keep in mind. Like, yes, I'm busy. Yes, I have a million things going on. There's very little time between clients, but this has to be a priority, not only for the baby, but also for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that for sure. That's that's a challenge. What about some of the f- most fulfilling aspects? You know, the the fulfilling aspects. I really feel like one in I feel the sometimes the adult interaction with some of my clients' families, and even some of my clients because I work with some really high functioning clients. I you know I really enjoy being around all of my clients. And, you know, some of my higher functioning, I enjoy some of the conversations that we end up having, you know, through song lyric discussions and things like that, that I just really enjoy and love my job. And so that, that is so fulfilling for myself that I can still love my job as much as I did. The other, the other thing, like the other day, I was having just a really rough morning with Elizabeth. You know, we were, she was just, it was one of the nights that she just didn't want to sleep and she was really cranky that whole morning. And I kind of left my house a little bit in a bad mood um, just because it was just such a rough morning. And I came back in such a great mood because my I loved my day, my sessions. And so I feel like that's so fulfilling in itself that, like, my clients can still turn around my day. And at the same time, if I come home, you know, I've had a rough day at work, my daughter can turn around my day as well, um, you know, because, I mean, she's just, she's amazing. She's adorable. She's cute. And I just... I love being around her as well. And so, you know, it's it's fulfilling in that aspect. And then, too, opening my own business, it was a lot of work when I was pregnant. And I've had some really tough, tough days. But I am so thankful that I did it because having my own business has really given me the flexibility of being kind of part-time and still, you know, making enough. And I've been able to tweak my schedule to where um, I can still go to a breastfeeding support group that um, has been amazing, has been amazing and very helpful to me. Um, and I can still go to yoga when I want to go to yoga. And I can still do the things that I need to do for my own personal self-care and also to be able to be with my daughter when I want to be. And I can be with her in the mornings. I can be with her in the evenings and still work and um, do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those things that I remind myself of when I do start to feel like I'm bogged down by all of the things that come with running a business. Then I remember, mm-hmm. okay, there's a there's a really good reason why I'm doing this. And it has allowed me to have something that a lot of working moms don't have with their kids as far as time and flexibility goes. So it's, 
definitely that's been a fulfilling thing for me as well. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you do some yoga and um, you go to a breastfeeding support group. Um, are there any other self-care practices that you do in order to take care of yourself? Um, I try as hard as I can to still take baths. And when I took, when I was pregnant, I took a bath almost every single night in my pregnancy. Oh, nice. um, yeah, I, I, that was one of the things when I was pushing myself really hard, I made sure that I w- was going home and taking baths and, you know, trying to reduce that back pain as much as I could. And, you know, I did yoga almost, almost every night uh, throughout my pregnancy, which is, again, why I think I had an easy, an easier labor and stuff is because I really tried to make sure I was taking care of myself even when I was pushing myself really hard. So I still try to do that. I try to take baths. I am guilty that I don't take them nearly as often as I would like. Um, but I, I still try to do that. I love, love, love taking baths. Um, I cannot have enough bubbles in my bubble bath. Um, and so that's, that's one of my things. Um, and I try as hard as I can to spend as much one-to-one time with my husband as we can as well. And so um, we're fortunate. We have a lot of family and friends around that are dying to stay with our, our daughter. And so we have never been able to not do something that we've wanted to do and had a sitter. And so, you know, since we she's been born, we were fortunate that we got to go to um, a Colts game and we have gotten to go see a movie. And, you know, and so I really, really make sure that you know, every few weeks that we're doing something fun, just the two of us. Oh, or we have done some really fun things with our daughter, too. Like, we just took her to, um, to like, a little pumpkin patch and seeing some animals and stuff. And so making sure that we're still doing stuff as a family or at least just the two of us is another big self-care thing that we're really making a conscious effort to do. That's great. And that's so nice for you that you do have options when it comes to child care so that you can have that time with your husband. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to fellow music therapists who are just starting this journey? And I know that you're at the beginning pretty much, but um, um, what advice would you give now that you've kind of been in the the game for a few months? Um, One of the things I was really glad that um, Chester and I did, Chester is my husband. Um, I don't know if I've ever said his name at all during this podcast. But so um, Chester and I went to Florida um, at Christmas time. And so I was actually 15 weeks pregnant at the time. And I don't think I realized how meaningful that trip was at the time. Um, And so um, one of my colleagues actually called it our baby moon. And I was like, I don't even know what a baby moon is. But it's, you know, your honeymoon right before you have a kid. And um, it was so great. It just gave us a chance to unwind and just have a good time and be us for a little while um, before our whole life changed. And um, he actually has a friend who told him that they have four kids and that before every kid they had, they did that. That him and his wife went away with no children and just had a time to regroup and make sure that they were on the same page and make sure that they um, remembered all the reasons why they were in this together. And so... That's something that I personally want to do again, and I think that that's something that other people could really benefit from. Um, it doesn't have to be a 10-day trip. It could be a two-day trip or just an overnight stay somewhere where you could go somewhere away. 
But I think that's so important because, you know, we are in this together and not everybody gets to be with their partner um, as much as they want to be throughout this this journey into being a parent. And so I think taking that time just to make sure that you're still on the same page and you're still there before your whole life change changes all over again. I love that advice. I think that's fantastic. And I would definitely second it because we have done that now with both kids. Um, actually, right towards the end of first trimester, we took a trip to Maui with both pregnancies. And um, But like you said, it doesn't have to be somewhere fancy. It could be anything. You know, just the important yeah. thing is that you're getting away from the hustle and bustle with your partner and spending that quality time. Because you're right, it does life changes so much and it never goes back to the way that it is currently. So you got to, got to take that time to just enjoy where you're at and be together. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I loved that trip. And I, like I said, we're, before we ever decide to do make any other major um, changes, you know, having um, more children or whatever, I want to do that again. My other advice that I would give in, I feel like I'm right here in the middle of this, is don't get caught up on milestones for children development. And so um, I feel like so many of my friends have kids that are right around the same age. You know, I had, um, I went through pregnancy with probably five or six of, you know, fairly close friends. And, um, you know, if their kid that's a week later, you know, uh, they start rolling over before your kid does, or, you know, this happens before. I feel like that can be um, taken to one, one way as, you know, people bragging about it. Um, and I, I think that at, in general, we need to not think that maybe someone is bragging, that they're just kind of saying it, um, but also at the same time, not take it to heart with our own kids. And so I feel like that's, um, advice that I need to take myself, but also advice that I'd give to other people as I try to figure out that advice for myself as well. Yes, yes, yes. And it's so hard because, you know, you read and you get these emails and you get those notes at the pediatrician's office when you go for their wellness checkups. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, they're this age, they should be doing this right now. And, and it's really hard when, you know, if yeah. your child isn't doing it at the same time. And on the other side of the coin, if your child is, but maybe your good friend's child isn't and she's having some stress about it, that can be it's hard. Yeah, that can be really hard and it can definitely put sort of like an awkward, um, an awkwardness around your relationship. So, it's so true. I think that, that both pieces of advice that you've given are excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out from everything that you're doing to be on the podcast and I really, really enjoyed hearing your story. So, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I've been listening to your podcast for really since the beginning, and so I am so glad I got to participate and be a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Jennifer a message, you can contact her via her Facebook page, Dynamic Music Therapy, LLC. There are just nine episodes left of this inaugural season of the podcast. So if you'd like to be a guest, please let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for the newsletter. I have some pretty cool things coming your way and I don't want you to miss them. I'll talk to you again next week.